Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. We are talking about horror from Black women directors. We wanted to talk about uh, movies with Black women directors. Uh, unfortunately, we've talked about a few and there aren't too, there aren't enough that we could find to fill the whole month with. There aren't enough feature length. Yes, there aren't enough feature length ones for us to fill the whole month. So we decided to pick up some uh, short films, which we don't usually talk about too many short films. This gave us a chance to explore some of that stuff. So we're going to be, we're going to have a short film that we talk about every Monday in addition to our uh, regular Friday shows. So on that note, I'm your host, Jeremy Whitley. And with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cinebites. Uh, she already jumped in and stole the podcast. So directly next to me is uh, my wife, Alicia Whitley. Hi there. And of course, with us, we have our uh, co-host, First, they're here to invade your house and find queer content in all of your favorite movies. My co-host and comic book writer, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? I think uh, short horror films should be officially called Bite Size. Very good. I'm into That's it. That's good. That's good. Going to start and, the petition. <laughs> and we picked her up at the spooky crossroads of anime and sexy monster media. It's co-host and comics artist, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? I'm, uh, whew, I'm feeling the whole spectrum of horror here every every angle and these four films yes yeah, good yes and and uh our friend english and literature educator and friend of the show emmanuel lipscomb emmanuel how are you i'm super excited i love spooky stuff and i have a short attention span so this is sweet spot for me <laughs> <laughs> nice and finally our good friend writer and activist jay joseph jr jay how are you i'm good i uh I spent five years studying short films, escaped that world only to have Ben drag me back into the world of short films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. Never let you go. So our final short film for the month uh, is we're talking about Blood Runs Down by Zendasha Brown. Uh, it is written and directed by Zendasha. If you have seen the horror noir anthology that Shutter put out just a few months ago, she also directed the uh, Bride Before You section of that, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. It stars uh, Della Johnson and Farrah Martin. Uh, do you want to read the IMDb on that, Alicia? When a woman undergoes a frightening transition, her vigilant five-year-old daughter must decide between saving her or protecting herself in this haunting tale of inheritance, daughterhood, and demons. Thank you. So the transition is to death. Transition yeah, from life guess, to death. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm not sure if I like that utilization of the word transition yes. in that film. Yeah. I kept wanting to say yeah. transformation. That's um, a real Obi-Wan from a certain point of view use of language. <laughs> I think I do think this is easily the scariest of the group. Yeah, and Black yeah, is yeah. transition in that yeah. way sometimes. I, I, I think it's the, the I, I agree it's the scariest. Um, probably my second favorite of the group. It, I had some I had some issues with it because uh, of course I did, uh, but it was definitely strong. I, I think um, I felt the most tension out of this one. I think they did a really good job of kind of setting that up. Maybe it's the Jewish of me, Uh-oh. but. Wow, do I not understand the baptism imagery? Oh, 
Okay. I do not. Well, if, if baptism what do you know about equals, baptism? Well, I associate with like some sort of sense of spiritual rebirth. So I don't know if it's supposed to represent a passageway into heaven or if we're dealing with time travel now. Or... Oh, well, we don't know either. Well, let's, yeah, let's no. talk about what we, okay. can, <laughs> what we can say definitely happens in this movie, uh, which is not much because it's, it's hard to say exactly what happens. But yeah. uh, there's a, a little girl who's about to have her, I think, sixth birthday is what we find out. Uh, she, her mother is doing her hair and doing everything she can to get her ready for this birthday. And uh, she has a, a special pretty dress that she's going to be getting for this. And she is instructed specifically not to get into this. And the um, electricity is out. And the electricity is out. She's worried nobody will come to the party she's because the electricity the is still going to be out. Yeah. And there is the longest weather report I've ever heard in my life <laughs> going on in the background. See, we do things a little bit slower here in the South. So sometimes. God, he was talking fast. Um, <laughs> a lot of things. He was talking fast, but it was. People can talk a lot about the weather in Louisiana, I'll tell you. Yeah. Well, he. I heard, I swear to God, I heard him say the word yeah, pathological. And I'm like, no, I'm, what I'm is just happening? doing a gambit accent. My accent is just gambit. <laughs> Is there a pathological hurricane going on? I guess. I that mean, I that guess. would be Hurricane Remy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, the the mom does seem to uh, transform. She gets you know a bit scary and aggressive, um, and is is threatening the girl. Uh, you know, runs away. She she gets in trouble for having the dress on and messing up the dress uh, before the party. And the mom is, is sort of threatening and coming after her. And we see her uh, seeing, you know, shadows forming on the wall in ways that are unnatural. And she sees her shadow of herself pick up a baseball bat to defend herself. And so she picks up the baseball bat and uh, she seems to go to confront her mother. And then we have a bit of a jump forward and the mom is back in the bath and she's talking to her at the bath. And then she pushes her mom underwater uh, apologizing to her for it and her mom comes up being baptized being rising from a lake with people baptizing her um, and then we find out that she is talking to her grandmother and her mom is dead and her you know she's been seeing her anyway and perhaps her mom is actually gone this time and the grandmother sure said that her mother will always be with her no matter what, and we get a, a visual cue that whatever is whatever was wrong with the mom might also be uh, wrong with her in some way. Yeah. There Otherwise, is a... it's very unclear what happened. This is a it's very meant to be. yeah. This is a very spooky, disturbing short movie, and I don't understand a lick of it. Well, the daughter of... says to the grandma, "Mama was here again." So, like. This is a recurring thing. For grandma yeah. And grandma doesn't say, oh, you're dreaming again. The grandma just takes it at face value. Like, oh, your mother right. was here again. But she no, doesn't seem to. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't seem to think of it as a scary presence. Um, mm-hmm. But from she's what like, we see. Just, just do like grandma told you. You just push that ghost back in the bath. <laughs> well, mama <laughs> has ghost two sides. And let me bath. talk about just being a mom when it's time to get them babies in bed and you are ready to finally settle down and do you like, I don't know, maybe eat some charcuterie, 
maybe drink a glass of wine maybe watch grown-up stuff on tv and Report then the, a con- podcast with your husband maybe. For, and then the, that kid sneaks downstairs and is like and you know and you're like why are you not in bed i have done everything for you i have played with you i have done your hair you've had a bath you've brushed your teeth we read the story you got your favorite jammies you took your favorite jammies off i turned the heat up i turned the fan on i gave you your favorite pillow like why what do i need to do to (laughs) yes and i will tell my daughters sometimes like at this time mommy is done kitchen is closed mom is done you can take care of me but i'm out because i need to rest (laughs) And when I don't, like when they wake me up, I am a very different mommy. If I have just fallen asleep and one of those girls wakes me up, I cannot stress enough that the yelling and like, I'm going to rip that dress off of you, mommy might just come out of me because I told you to go get in bed. That you've had enough stress. I've had enough. And I think, I mean, just imagine like the power's out. I'm planning a party. You know, I'm a single mom. I've done her hair. I got this cool present and now all I want to do is sit in the bathtub. I just want to be able to wash myself. And this kid is out of bed and smoke a cigar. (laughs) Mommy, you don't smoke. You don't know what mommy does. Okay. You don't know know mommy's curl pattern. Don't tell me. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, like, Hairwolf was the only movie in the set that didn't have any sort of literal or implied kids killing their parents. So here's the question. So yeah. Jamie was like, I think she killed her mom. Oh. And I said, I think her mom was not there. I think her mom has been dead. And I think she helped her mom move on. I think she gave, like, yeah. I think she pushed yeah, her don't... mother through to the other side. Yeah, I don't think she was literally there. Yeah. I don't. I don't get any sense that the daughter herself is responsible for the mother's death in any way. Yeah. Other than being born. My my answer here is I think think that there is a scene between the baseball bat scene and the final sequence that is missing where she Mm. has literally defended herself from her mother and that we are then seeing sort of this recurrence of the mom still not being able to rest and still, you know, coming back to her and her then helping her mom rest finally in this. Yeah, I, I, I mean, think it d- is implied that the stuff with the stuff we see from the mother's perspective did actually happen. And that that stuff is, you know, maybe happening to her as well with the eye rubbing and all of that seeing shadows moving. But then what is that? Like, like there's the whole thing with the, one of like the things that creep me out the most is the picture being distorted, the faces and I'm just like, is this perception of the mom, perception of the daughter, something that's only for our benefit as the audience? Um, I think it was a, the daughter it, definitely it, seems to see it. It feels <laughs> like just a foreboding bitterness in that sweet memory where the, things become upsetting. I mean, that that's the cool thing about this movie is that it is very atmospheric in that way and very dreamlike. And I feel like that's what helps the big gaps in the, uh, the story. Because I, it I is, think unlike the other stories, the gaps in this are intentional. Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't think that they're all perfectly placed, but I think that they are um, a lot less jarring in this case because of the the sort of Lars von Trierness of it, especially with the weird segments like idolatry, grief, grief, 
blood resentment. I agree. I, I I think I think it was imperfect, but it didn't feel like it was accidental, and it didn't feel like it was leaving things on the uh, cutting room floor, right? And um, I, I I think the only part that tripped me up is the part where she uh, kind of pushed her mother under the water, um, and intercutting that with the baptism kind of helped a little but that also kind of made me question the reality of the film and I think I think my only real criticism as far as that is concerned is I would have maybe tried to introduce this idea that what we're looking at is either like an unreliable memory or dreamlike state a much earlier kind of in the film so just just so that we know the kind of visual language a little better and know what we're looking at rather than trying to catch up with it towards the end of the story. Otherwise, you know, I, I, there are, uh, there are some things I really enjoyed about what it was trying to communicate in terms of how this is a thing that kind of affects both parents. It's kind of like what we were saying with Wake in terms of with horror, how you don't need things to be so literal when you're working in, in horror, how you can things, leave things up to like, interpretation and metaphor and what this kind of struck me as is is like you know kind of uh, generational mental health issues and it also kind of struck me as the different lenses that we tend to see the adult figures like in our life as we grow older because you know uh, they disappoint us they hurt us um, you know it's not always that you know, loving kind of warm relationship that we all strive for, you know, and and um and I think I really like that aspect of it. And before before I turn over, I just want to say that the the actor who played the the daughter, Farrah Martin, I think is her name, she was really, really fantastic. She was really good. It's insanely difficult to find child talent that good. So that's just like really good casting. And she did a great job in kind of selling that role. Um, so I, I think I, I found things a bit more believable in that film solely due to the, to the acting more than kind of uh, some of the writing and directing. Mm. Mm-hmm. I did like the fact that the candlelight, um, the presence of the candlelight gave it an, um, what is it called? I don't want to say anachronistic, but kind of like it felt out of time. Um, yeah. You couldn't quite place like the dress that she was wearing didn't have it. It was timeless. Um, and the way was, New Orleans often is, I think. Yeah. You know, the hairstyle that she was, the boxer braids, no, <laughs> the um, <laughs> hairstyle that she was doing um, was timeless. And then when the electricity comes back on, it was shocking to me to see it was, you know, to see the the little clock radio come back on. I was like, oh, that's right. This is not like some distant past. It's although the clock radio is such that it could be the it could 1960s. be the it could be the it could be the 70s. 70s. It, could it could be the 80s. It could be the 70s. It could be the 80s. We don't know. But when <laughs> she is and like the candlelight gives it a sepia tone quality, I guess. When yeah. she is talking to the grandmother, it's like we're back in color. We're definitely in the present, you know. I just I found that a really interesting contrast. Um, I also found her grandmother's words at the end to be like, no, baby, your mother isn't going anywhere. She'll always be with you to be like, particularly horrifying for me. Right. <laughs> because <laughs> the mom was like, I just want to rest. I just want to rest. Why can't I get no rest? And then she was like, no, you know, she'll never rest. You know, it's supposed to be it's supposed to be comforting. Like she's always with you, but it's like, good Lord, let, let that woman, let her yeah, I think that's supposed to be chilling from both the perspective of the mom and the daughter of like, yeah. you know, she's 
His mom is clearly an an unwell paint at this point, and you know that does is not is not a desirable presence. She this... she would love to for it to leave her mom in the past. Yeah, that timeless quality with the candlelight and everything. I mean, it really in the this this sort of old house really evokes the idea of a childhood memory. You know, because everything feels timeless in your memories. You know, when you're a kid, it's not. But um, as far as I can tell, because all I have is from to work from is memories. You know, they, we we remember these these halcyon days or so to speak. I mean, we remember these this contrast of the uh, the sepia tone photograph nostalgia and then the nebulous dread that could, as far as you're concerned as a kid, be supernatural. And I think that this movie really hits that on the head. Like, I, like, I think we could have done with a little bit more context cues as to what was going on with the the mom or uh, the relationship between the symbolism of the daughter pushing her mom into the bathtub and, you know, reality. Like, that could have been a little bit clearer, but... Um, as for everything else, like I am content with this movie just being as it is, just kind of disjointed and dreamlike because I think that's the point. Yeah, as Willow Smith would say, it's a vibe. Yes, <laughs> it's not. Twenty like, four. Where are you? I, I think we talked a lot about this with Candyman too, and some of the strength of Candyman is the ambiguity of like what is going on. Like it, nice. it's unsettling. It's. It, I mean, we we very specifically use the the uh, the phrasing of it being, you know, uh, all all vibes uh in candy man <laughs> and this is like i think Oops, this hits that in the same way yeah no body all vibes i do i do agree with the the criticisms that that you know um we need maybe a little bit more grounding because i i feel that there are certain things that are really able that are really easy to kind of like convey in film right like i think if you want to convey boredom in film it's really easy to convey boredom if you want to convey confusion it's really easy to con- con- to convey confusion but um you don't want the audience feeling too bored if they're watching a film about boredom you want them to be engaged you don't want them to be too confused if they're watching a story where you know they're meant to kind of like be befuddled and and um uh, dreamlike but at the same time um i i really feel like as opposed to, you know, what this has going for it that the others don't, is that if you maybe just shift it around a scene or two, I absolutely feel that um, they have the content there that would make it like just a 100% solid narrative. And even as is, it's, it doesn't suffer too much, in my opinion. Do you know what year this was made? Uh, and was this before or after Lemonade? 2018. Oh, pretty recent. And I don't know if that's pre or post Lemonade. <laughs> Because the scene of the women greeting her on the water reminds me a lot of like all of the water imagery that Beyonce uses in Lemonade when she's and she's got them all wearing white, but they're all wearing different styles of clothing to kind of signify how far back that connection stretches. And I Mm -hmm. thought it was interesting that the little girl looks and sees the shadow pick up the bat. The shadow of the little girl picks up the bat. So the little girl picks up the bat. And it's like, she's getting instructions about what needs to be done from shadows that have been cast before she was even there. So it's kind of like, and I was thinking about the title being Blood Runs Down. And it's like, yeah, you Mm -hmm. know, this is a good thing piece. It is a good thing piece. Yeah, it's, it's my bread and butter, this kind of stuff. Where you I'm know, like, oh, and where, 
complex vocabulary of symbolism and I'm like oh yeah give it yeah you know sometimes I feel like movies do too much telling and not enough showing and I feel like this did a, a good amount of showing and it didn't tell me a lot and it intrigued me it didn't it didn't make me go I'm confused and don't know what's happening goodbye I went hmm I need to I need to turn this over in my head um, Does it make you go? Hmm. Indeed. <laughs> this reminds me of like two other films, and they're they're favorable uh, comparisons, but um, they, they do remind me of two other feature films I've seen. You know, the first being, I think, the most obvious one is the Babadook. Yeah, um, definitely. And then the other one, uh, given the kind of like generational aspect, and you know how these things can be like uh, passed down and supernatural, is this uh, indie superhero movie named Fast Color seen it that one uh was directed by julia hart yes shows up yeah it stars her she she's like i mean she's it's it's a it's a great paradox and a couple of other things you know her face yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's it's a great it's a great little kind of uh uh indie film if you don't see it and it, it it I, I think Julia does describe it as um, a superhero movie and it definitely got has those elements, but it definitely exists more in the realm of indie. But really what it is, is kind of like this generational story, story of like three different generations of, um, uh, of black women, um, you know, and uh, power that's uh, uh, passed down between them. Um, I would just recommend it as a watch in general. And uh, what I like about those stories is that I don't think you see a lot of, um, of content, you know, starring uh, Black individuals about, you know, the strong kind of uh, familial connections that we have, because even despite the problems that uh, Anna has with her mother in this film, Blood Runs Down, um, they still have like this uh, love for each other. The mother is still kind of like struggling against her own demons to be there for her child. Um, and when, you know, Anna loses her mother, she has her grandmother looking out for her. So it is dour. It is very uh, uh, tense and, and dark and things don't really end well. But to me, there's still kind of this message of a family that comes through. And I feel like in kind of the current age that we're in, where a lot of things you see starring uh, Black leads are very kind of like cynical as to like our family relationships and people love like perpetuating this thing of oh you know uh, black children don't have like this family support structure because their parents are always like gone or addicted to something or they're workaholics or something like that Uh, I really appreciate generational stories like this that show no there's actually this really strong familial element there that you don't understand from the outside looking in you know listening to the few songs and few ways you choose to expose yourselves to kind of our community what i think part of the reason the horror works so well in this for me is that in the earliest scenes of the film the mother is affectionate and sweet and patient and understanding and it only turns later when everything starts happening you don't get that the babadook the mother in the babadook is already traumatized already like doing her best but she's at her wit's yeah. end yeah yeah, yeah there's an additional uh you know mourning element to the babadook with you know the father being dead right. the, the the father is never addressed in this one it it, it reminded me also of the babadook and yes. and of hereditary quite a bit um, oh yeah hereditary yeah. has that same sort of generational element of something horrible and supernatural that's connected to them and um 
you know, it, if, if anything, hereditary actually ends worse than this. Um, yeah, yeah. Hereditary is a rough one that uh, at some point we'll actually talk about on here instead of referencing it every uh, episode. I Can I go back to the water real quick? Yeah. Unless you're talking like literally. Yes. Yeah, okay? so I was doing some Googling and Lemonade came out on in 2016 and this movie was 2018. So it's very plausible that they, you know, they might share some similar imagery and um, but I was reading um, what the director said, writer said, um, about the character of New Orleans as part of this film. And she said, Katrina disrupted and displaced Black families who had been bound to the land for generations. And also talks about how African-Americans as a people are a people who were born on the water. Um, like speaking of the 1619 Project and mm. to talk about that title, you know, like our we literally as a group come from so many different places and our existence was created, uh, you know, on that transatlantic um, voyage. Um, So that idea of being born on the water, um, she also says, uh, you know, many of which were descendants of African slaves who were introduced to the city via the Mississippi, the water that would later take its revenge. And blood runs down, I liken water to an ambiguous force somewhere to, between rage and rebirth, between drowning and baptism. And Ben, I think that really speaks to what you were saying. Like, you're like, maybe I just don't understand what baptism, baptism is supposed to be. Because uh, that certainly looked like drowning. <laughs> it didn't look yeah. like, it looked like death and not life. But like baptism is about rebirth. Um, it, you know, Jesus got baptized famously in the Bible of like, asked his cousin was like hey can you baptize me and john the baptist is like you why do i need to baptize you like uh you're jesus and jesus is like ah we should all get baptized it's good practice you know yeah, no, I, I it's think hot that, that changeover is is really Hello, interesting because don't as she's, in the water as she's pushed under the water she comes up on the other side which i i it's unclear whether it's meant to be the literal other side or not, but that's I certainly think it how it is, feels. Because I think that everybody's you, in white. And, and when you look at what yeah. the people are wearing, um, and I say people because I would need to rewatch it to see if all of those people are coded as feminine. But there's one one of the two people that pulls more. her up is coded right. as masculine. Okay, I could I yeah. was almost everybody like, else is feminine. Yeah, I was sitting kind of far back there, so I couldn't tell if this was like a land of mothers or just a land of ancestors. But their clothing is not the same style, like it's, all across. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. clear um, to me that she has joined those who have passed on, um, and I think her daughter is hoping it's for good. So when you get baptized, you are supposed to be like killing your old self and being reborn as a new person so yeah yeah i yeah i i kind of noticed that too about the um outfits and it and you kind of reflect on that the daughter anna is very much going through this uh same journey because you know it's all symbolized by the color white and um um i don't think the grandmother is wearing white in the end mm-hmm. i think she's no yeah she, she's very like, her white colorful dress. i felt that i thought that worked really well and I, I think it goes along with your point of you know uh showing and not telling because you know i i 
I feel that was communicated very clearly in, in, before the ending. That That's why, you know, I said, okay, so that's why the drowning is juxtaposed with like the baptism and all that. I understand that now. Uh, so it sounds like we would probably all recommend people check this one out, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, this one is also on Vivo. It's, it's very easy to get a hold of for, for anybody who wants to watch it. And it's again, like 20 minutes. So definitely worth a watch. And uh, then Dasha Brown has more movies coming. And like we said, one one of the uh, movies in the horror noir anthology, which you can actually check out on uh, Shudder as well. Uh, again, that has some hits and some misses, but uh, it, it's definitely worth a watch. All right. And I think that uh, that wraps us up. Jay, if people are interested in learning more about you and what you do and everything, where can they find you online? Well, you can uh, find me at my uh, Twitter handle at um, Cynical Angst, uh, which is my kind of uh, just general Twitter Twitter handle. And you can also find me um, at PantherCub21 or, you know, at PantherCub21 for my more kind of like a, a political and uh media educated takes because um i can't always promise you know cynical angst is going to be a lot uh, content and people can you know if they have um questions i think about upcoming workshops or uh films that i'm doing in the future or just want to reach out to me uh they can use my business email which is um also my academic email jjj20 at columbia.edu Emmanuel, what about you? Where can people find you online? I am on Twitter at elipscomb2. That's E-L-I-P-S-C-O-M-B-2. Um, mostly just tweeting about books and teachery things and silly things my students say. Uh, okay. And, and Alicia, where can people see you uh, tweet funny things about your students? I tweet funny things about lots of things at Alicia Whitley. Yeah, that's it. That's it. All right. It's at Alicia Whitley. Yeah. Okay. There's the ad sign. Yeah. There's always, you can uh, find all of our stuff where you always find it at uh, Progressively Horrified. Thanks for listening. Yes. Thank you for listening. And uh, I hope you check these movies out. Go do it. Stay horrified. Yes. Do, 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 Until do, next do, time. Do, 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 do. Stay horrified. <laughs>